So I, um, I want to just share a little bit. I, I was in church this past week, uh, Sunday, a few days ago, and I had this experience where I sort of got, I think you would say maybe triggered or like, uh, I don't know, something just hit me the wrong way, which seems to be, if I'm being honest, happening over the last few years, uh, more and more often. So, um, I was sitting in church. It was during worship. I love praise and worship. I love sort of that connection of like just loving on on Jesus and feeling his love towards you. Just the, the whole dynamic is just a rich experience. And I always love being a part of that. Um, and the first song was killer. It was great. Like, man, just, you know, there's some of those songs that you just can enter in. It just maybe, maybe it's because I knew it. But the next song, the second song I remember Sunday was this new song I hadn't, I hadn't heard before. And it started really good. <laughs> and then it sort of, uh, I don't know, it had this one line, this one lyric that just hit me the wrong way. And um, before I share that, I just want to, I just, I don't know, just want to go back and just share a little bit about maybe how I got here and why it triggered me. So first of all, I, I love the church and I, I grew up in church and I moved my family across the country to start a church, uh, to plant a church. My wife and I did it for uh, about nine years. And so um, there's so much I do love about the church, but there's also some stuff that I think as I've grown older or I've started to realize a bit more about who Jesus is, um, things in the church that just, well, they just rub me the wrong way. They just trigger me in a way. And so, um, you know, like I said, I grew up in church. My family went to church on Wednesdays, on Sunday mornings, on Sunday evenings, um, and sometimes other days during the week when it just felt like, you know, there was stuff to volunteer for. It felt like we were always there. I remember being a kid and just asking my mom one time, like, hey, mom, we were just in church this morning. Why are we going back on Sunday night? But we did. We did a lot of church. We were there a lot. And I was taught about God and I was taught about Jesus. And I was taught that God is big and strong and that Jesus loves me. And I was taught that we were the Christians. We were the good people. We were the church people, you know, so to speak. We were on God's team, if you will. Um, and there was a list of rules and regulations that we had to abide by to stay on the team. For example, just randomly thinking of a few, I grew up in a pretty strict Baptist church. So if you know anything about that, you can probably imagine, but we weren't allowed to go to the movies. We weren't allowed to play card games. I don't, what? I don't even know <laughs> what that's about. We weren't allowed to dance. God forbid. Uh, of course, we weren't allowed to smoke or drink or swear. A whole bunch of other things. It's ironic, too. I look back. It's probably why I love going to the movies so much. I don't think I went to the movies. It's one of my great pastimes. It's one of my great hobbies. I love going to the theater. The smell, the popcorn, the darkness, the trailers, the movie. Just... I don't know. I just love it. But it's probably because I didn't go till I was 12 years old. I also love that we started our church in a movie theater. Like, I don't know, poetic, I guess, in a way. Um, but basically, growing up, we weren't, we were at all costs trying our best to avoid all the bad stuff, you know, especially the public bad stuff, you know, things that others might see, things that others could possibly judge us or rank us, you know, in, in a way that would not be positive. I was taught that mostly things in the world are bad and to be avoided. So always be on guard. The world is bad. That was the point of view I grew up with. 
You know, especially this is the thing. People who don't go to our church and believe what we believe, they're bad. They're on the other team. They're not with us. Therefore, they're against us. People who don't vote the way we vote, they're bad. Growing up in church, this is something that, you know, we talked a lot about and we called it sin. And my understanding growing up was that sin was the bad stuff that people did. So imagine things like, you know, stealing, murder. Um, illegal drugs, adultery, going to the movies, apparently, was on that list. Um, I was taught that Jesus loved me, but it came with strings attached. It was like I grew up trying to avoid all the bad stuff and trying really hard to perform and to be good. Sort of this idea of love, comma, but... There's this old saying I heard someone say, I don't know if it's exactly true, but there's some truth in it for sure. Is like whenever someone says, but in a sentence, back up and just take out whatever they said before. So for instance, you know, if I said to my wife, Sarah, Hey, these, these cupcakes are amazing, but <laughs> you, they could have used more sprinkles or salt or whatever. So it kind of like takes away the front part of it, you know? And I don't know if that's 100% true, but in this scenario, man, love, the story we talked about was love. God was love, but the but was huge. Love, but you have to do all these things. You have to do all these things. And that got me thinking. I think that's what really triggered me Sunday. And I'll get to that in a second. But growing up, I got pretty good at this game, the love, but game. You know, I was trained and I studied. I always try to follow the list of rules, always try to be on God's team. You know, the church people and they loved me for it. Like you, you'll rise through the ranks. If you work that system, if you're in that bubble and you work that system, you will rise through the ranks. You will get points. You'll get awards. You'll get medals on your chest. All was good for a while. And the world made a lot of sense to me. Like I had this frame on how I viewed my world and it all made sense. But, <laughs> but it was all good until you screwed up, until you missed a step. And that's where the shit really hit the fan. So if you make a mistake, you break one of the rules, you go to the movie theater, whatever, that's where the stuff starts to go downhill. That's where the system breaks down. That's where the love is sort of missing and the but starts to come into play. But you got to do these things and you didn't do these things. So now, where does that leave you? And this is the one thing I learned over time is that nobody, nobody, nobody cuts you out quicker than church people. They'll slice you, they'll dice you, they'll stab you, they'll push you out the door. When you're not on their team anymore, when you struggle, when you stumble, when you trip, when you question, when you wonder, when you think for yourself. This isn't all church people. There's some great ones. But man, sometimes church people in the bubble, they'll cut you. They'll cut you quick. And so most of my growing up years, childhood, young adult, there was, there was, there was these years of like overflowing with guilt, shame, condemnation, all the stuff that I felt from church people and my understanding of how my relationship was arranged with who Jesus was, like how things worked. It was love, but, and there was always this constant sort of regret that I lived with, this debilitating shame, this crushing guilt. It was always there. I was bad. I always did bad. So I always felt bad. And if you think about it, that's just fair. That's fair and square. You want to be a jackass? We treat you like a jackass. I mean, that's just, 
That's fair. That's even. Even Steven. But this is the thing. I don't know. Going back to this past Sunday at church, I think that worship song, there was this line. Like I said, it started out great. It was about grace and mercy. And I'm not a very good singer. I'm not very musical at all. I don't know notes and pitches and keys. I don't know anything. So on a new song, I just really try to almost hum along, just sort of like until I learn. I don't know the turns and twists that are about to happen. So I just try to follow along until I start to know it a little bit. And I was doing that. And then it came to this one line, this one lyric in the song. And it said, it said this, I quote, I don't want to abuse your grace. And I couldn't say it. I saw it on the screen. My eyes saw it. And I just literally, it hit me in a way. I was like, what is happening? What does that even mean? Are you, I don't want to abuse your grace. That's what we're singing during praise and worship in a church that's celebrating Jesus, the good news of Jesus. We don't want to abuse his grace. I, I sometimes think to myself, are we talking about the same thing here? You know, like, are we reading the same book, so to speak? Because that just blew me away. That just really blew me away of like, if that's what we're saying, if that's what we're seeing as as a people, as a group, I think we have this sort of very skewed understanding of what grace is. It, that that line, it not only couldn't I speak it, not only did it trigger me, but man, it really it really just hit me wrong in my heart. Like that's that's missing what the good news really is. My grandma used to tell me a story about this sailor who's lost at sea. You know, he's floating on a life raft in the middle of the ocean. He's alone. He's hungry. He's scared. He's desperate. He's thirsty. Imagine being out on that raft. And she used to say this little line, water, water everywhere but not a drop to drink. And that's like what the ocean is. You know, there's all that salt water surrounded by an infinite sea of water, but it's salt water. And so you can't drink it. It's not, it doesn't satiate. It doesn't do what you want it to do. It's not the good news that you're thinking it is. And I think of this sometimes about church and I can relate. It's like gospel, gospel everywhere, but not a job, not a drop to drink. To me, it's interesting we use the term gospel in church in our songs. Gospel literally means, if you don't know what that word means, it's kind of a weird word. You kind of only hear it associated usually with church stuff, but it literally means good news or good story. Good news or good story. So when we say the gospel of Jesus Christ, it means the good news, the good story of who Jesus is, of what he came to tell us and show us and how we're supposed to interact with him. The good news. Right? It didn't have to be called that. It could have been the bad news. It could have been the average news, the okay news. But Jesus called it the good news. It's supposed to be the good news. We sing songs about the gospel. We have sermons about the gospel. But sometimes I wonder, where's the good news? Because the idea of love but, God is love but, that's not really good news. Like I said earlier, that's even Stephen. That's just a square deal. It, it, that's just status quo. That's this for that. That's not good news. That doesn't shock me. That's not scandalous. That's not something I want to sing or shout about. So I'm asking, where's the good news? This this line, this understanding of I don't want to abuse your grace. To me, it's like if we understand what grace really is and how good it is 
and how abundant it is and how much of it is a God thing and it's not about us. That line doesn't make any sense. Like we, we would never sing that. I don't want to abuse your grace. I have three girls and they're uh, teenagers now. And, uh, you know, I think back to when they were little, like little and, and the whole bedtime routine of check, you know, check, t- tucking them in, reading their story, saying their prayers, talking about their day. It was a whole routine. If you've been a parent to young kids, you know, this cycle. I mean, it, and it's amazing when they're little, it's, it's rich and it's good. Sometimes you're exhausted and it's a little much, <laughs> but usually it's amazing and it's wonderful. But I had this thought, like, imagine little kids, three-year-old, four-year-old little daughters, my kids saying to me, dad, every freaking night, dad, I'm so sorry. I'm abusing your time frame right now. Dad, I know this is your downtime. I know you want to watch a show or you have work to do, or you want to go to bowling or whatever's on your list, dad, but you have to tuck me in. You have to say my prayers. You have to be with me right now in this room every night. I'm so sorry, dad. I don't want to abuse your time. I don't want to abuse your grace. I don't want to abuse your love for me. Like, imagine that. You'd be like, what are you talking about? Are you, if you were to say that to me as a dad, I would say, you don't understand what this is. This is me loving on you. There's no abuse here. This is me gifting to you. This is me being with you. This is me savoring and enjoying you. There's no abuse. There's no taking advantage of. And I thought of the scripture, which I wanted to share. It's from the Message Bible. It's Ephesians 2, and it's verse 7. It says this, Now God has us where he wants us with all the time in this world and the next to shower grace and kindness upon us in Christ Jesus. Let's just read that one more time. And there's more. This verse is chunky. It's got some good stuff in here. Now God has us where he wants us. So you mean when we're weak and we screw up and we stumble, that's where God wants us? Well, that wait, that's not how I grew up because we try to avoid that at all costs. God forbid we're human. God forbid we slip up because God's going to be pissed for a long time. And don't you dare abuse the grace. That song triggered me because that's how I grew up. That was my life for years. God, forgive me that I even have to ask for your forgiveness again. I did this thing again. And how I'm here and I'm stumbling and I'm fumbling and I feel like a jackass. And I have to ask again, please don't be mad. Well, that's not what this scripture says. God has us where he wants us with all the time in the world and the next to shower grace and kindness upon us in Christ Jesus. I love that word shower. Imagine standing in like a shower. You're getting soaked. It's not a little drip. It's not a little sprinkle. It's not a squirt from a squirt gun. You are being showered with grace and kindness because of who Jesus is and how much he loves you, how crazy he is for you. All right, so sit with that for a second. I love that verse. But the very next sentence says this, saving, rescuing, saving us, right? Saving is all his idea and all his work, period. All we do is trust him enough to let him do it. It's God's gift from start to finish. Huh. Wait. You mean love but my performance? Love but do your best. Love but I have to score on the scorecard. Love but you mean that doesn't that doesn't add up here, right? I mean cuz it's saying it's all his idea and it's all his work. All we do is we sit back and we trust him enough to be a good father. 
I think that's it. Do you know Jesus? Are you a Christian? Are you a Christ follower? Is almost that line and that sentence. It's not what you do. It's not your church attendance. It's not your tithes, your offerings, your good deeds, your Bible studies, your devotionals, your small groups. None of that matters if this doesn't matter right here. Do you trust him enough to be a good father to you? To be crazy enough, scandalous enough grace over and over when you don't deserve it to forgive you and shower you with grace and kindness. I mean, it's got to be good news. So imagine that scenario. Does that sound like good news? It does to me. I'll sing about that. I'll shout about that. I'll share about that. I'm not going to share and shout about rules-based systems, performance reviews by other Christians. But I will sing about God showering me with grace and kindness over and over again, over and over. So the idea that you could abuse it, I, I just, it triggered me and it made me ask, do we know who Jesus is? Do we know what we're saying? Because that doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Let me just wrap this verse up. It says, it's God's gift from a start to finish, exclamation point. And then it continues. Again, this is Ephesians chapter 2, verse 7 through 10. And I'm reading from the Message Bible. It continues. I think this is really important. I feel like this is in here for people like me that grew up in church that are so worried about our part. Love, but my part. Love is God's part of the equation. My part is what I bring to the table. You don't bring shit to the table. That's the good news. You don't bring anything. You can't bring anything. So anyway, the verse says this. We don't play the major role. If we did, we'd probably go around bragging that we've done the whole thing. No, we neither make nor save ourselves. God does both the making and the saving. I love that verse. And I already know. I grew up in the system, so I already know. Maybe you're listening and you got some residual church stuff. Maybe you are a, a good, solid church person. Maybe the system's working for you at the moment and you're asking me, well, God, or Sean, how do you, how do we prove to God that we're his kids then? How do we, I mean, we have to like get sanctified. We have to be righteous. We have to turn. We have to repent. We have to, yeah, all those things might be true, but in a way, like God takes care of all that stuff. Like that's a part I feel like Christians or church people want to manage so much and side note, we want to we want to manage it so much for others, <laughs> which is ironic. But the Holy Spirit, God living inside of us, when we learn the story of how good God is, that's what changes us from the inside out. That's what changes our desires. We become more like him. We start to care about the things he cares about. Some of the stuff that we used to care about goes out the window. That's called heart change. That's what God is an expert in doing. That's the stuff that laws and rules can never have an effect on. It's just, it's going to be fake. It's going to be love, but I don't want to do love, but I don't want to have anything to do with it. To me, that's called sin management. You know, it's like when, when you're, when your faith, your spiritual life becomes about managing your sin, you're missing the point. Because God's taking care of it. He's not afraid of your sin. He's not afraid of your mistakes. Even if you do it over and over again. I was walking in New York, downtown Manhattan, 
And I saw this sign on this old church, like a church from the 1800s in the middle of all these skyscrapers. And they had this sign out on their little board, you know, like a church sign. They put up letters with a little message every week or every month or whatever. But when I walked by, it said this. It said, enjoy your forgiveness. Enjoy your forgiveness. And it hit me almost as hard as as that song hit me on Sunday. Enjoy your forgiveness. Like to me, the way I grew up, that is so foreign, but it's so rich and it's so good and it's so needed. And it's such the gospel good news of who Jesus is that we can enjoy forgiveness because he has given us that gift because he is good enough. He's bigger than all of that stuff. He's not managing and scoring. He's taking care of it. All we do is trust him to take care of it. And over time, he changes us. He remakes us. He heals us. He gives us hope. He shifts our desires. He helps us pay attention. He helps us care about the things that matter to him, like justice and peace and kindness and grace and forgiveness and love for other people. To me, that's the story I want to follow. I don't want love, but I don't want to even one second step back to where I came from thinking for a moment that I could abuse God's grace. You can't. You just can't. If you can, if you could, well, it's not that great then, is it? I mean, it's sort of good. It's good It's good for like the first five passes and then, well, it's not. It is or it isn't. It's great. It's the best news. It's the best story ever told or it's not. I don't know. I just wanted to share that today. It triggered me on Sunday. A lot of church stuff triggers me lately. So I'm going to start a little podcast. I've been wanting to do this for a while. Just sort of sharing thoughts, ideas, scriptures that stand out to me. Moments I I get triggered, things like that. So if if this has resonated, maybe you want to follow along. I would love that. Um, And if this has made you angry, maybe you also want to follow along. Because maybe there's something there under the surface that you can dig into. and Just ask, like, why is this triggering me? Right? Sometimes that's a good deconstruction. That's what I had to do after Sunday church and that song lyric. I had to come home and say, what the hell happened there? Why was I feeling that? Maybe you need to do the same. Maybe you're angry. Maybe you're saying, hey, the system freaking works. How dare you? I don't know. Maybe chew on that for a minute. Sit with it for a minute. Ask God. Again, everything I say is just this. I'm not telling you to do anything. I'm not telling you what's right or what's wrong. I'm going to read the scripture. I'm going to tell you the story of Jesus. I'm going to ask you to sit with it and you chew on it. You ask God. You clarify. I'm not anybody's boss, that's for sure. I can't even be my kid's boss, crying out loud. Anyway, peace to you guys. I'll see you next time. And uh, remember, the good news has to be the good news. If it's not the good news, it's not the good news.